What an incredible day to be uh, here serving the Lord. It's our first Sunday back. It's been two weeks or three weeks. I don't, I don't even know anymore. I lose track after three days. So God is good. We're here. We're going to be worshiping. We're going to be fellowshipping. Hug the necks of the people uh, that you haven't seen in a while. And, uh, and God is just so good. So we're going to go ahead and open up with prayer. Lord Jesus, open our minds, open our hearts today, God, to to receive your word, Lord, sharpen our hearts, God, pierce it, uh, give us revelation, Lord Jesus, in the mighty name we pray, amen. If we go to 1 Samuel 17, 34, and I knew I forgot to do something, I didn't uh, get you the scriptures, which is fine, because this is basically the only one uh, that you need. So we're going to go uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34, all the way through verse 37. But David said to Saul, your servant used to, keep his, <clears throat> used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after them and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. And if he ro arose, can someone turn the monitors down? I'm, I'm ringing. Um, when he uh, arose, I, I, I caught him by his beard, and I struck him, and I killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and beards, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he hath defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of, of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hands of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go and the Lord be with you. Today, I just want, you, may, you all may be seated. Today, I just want to talk to you about spiritual momentum. Momentum, the momentum we carry in our lives about spiritual things. Momentum is one of the most powerful things that you can have in a Christian's life. Satan fears a group of people who have momentum in the kingdom of God, momentum in the Holy Ghost. It, people who put down all distractions of life and they carry out and they carry forth the work of God, carrying the, 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 the doings of the kingdom and the, the blessings of God and the promises of God. Momentum is one of the most powerful things that a church can see, especially during a time of revival or during a time of, of gathering, a time of fellowship, during Bible studies being given, when the church is beginning to multiply in the kingdom. That is building spiritual momentum. As we can see in the passage, David kills a lion, then he goes and he, he goes and he kills a bear. And because of these victories, he has a certain momentum to look at Saul and say, who is this uncircumcised man that, that challenges the living armies of God? You see, these victories that he, that he had before gave him the knowledge and the momentum to look at a giant and say, hey, I don't care what he is. If God be for me, then what can be against me? I know that I can kill this uncircumcised Philistine. I have the momentum. I have the knowledge. I killed a lion. I killed a bear. And a victory built on top of a victory, and he knew that he could win this fight with another victory. I believe one word from the Lord can ignite a season of victory in our lives. And I'm not saying that like a Joel Olstein type of thing, like live your life in victory. No, no, no. You need to, we need to win victories in order to live your life in victory. In order to win victories, it comes with a lot of work. It comes with prayer. It comes with, with consecration. It comes with separation. It comes with submission and servanthood. It's not just living your life in victory. 
just because you say you live your life in victory. It's because I am submitted to God. I'm submitted to the man of God in my life. I'm submitted to the church that I, am, that I serve in the, in, the, um, in the city that I serve as well. And this is how I begin to build victories in our life. This past summer, our young people went to NAYC. There was 34,000 young people there worshiping and serving God. They were also at camps, and, and many of you went to district conference or whatever camps that the adults go to uh, during the summer and then ladies' conference and all the other uh, conferences that help do what? What do they do? When you're done with those conferences, how do you feel? You feel pretty good, right? Well, I mean, like if you were, if you were participating in the conference and you were getting in with, I mean, that's, that's the key there. You were participating, you were getting in to what the man of God had to say. You were tapping into the spirit and you were in the vein of the spirit and the flow of the spirit. When you come back from these things, you have spiritual momentum. What's the first thing you want to do? You're like, man, I want to start a, minist a ministry. I want to become a missionary. Woo, well, I mean, like nothing can stop you, right? You f this is how you feel. This is how we begin spiritual momentum by riding that Holy Ghost, the things that you feel in the Spirit. Never does God give you victory's sake for victory's sake, but He wants you to build spiritual momentum in your life that when something comes against you or another obstacle comes against you, you have the momentum from the first victory carried over to the next victory, to the next victory of life, to overcome the obstacles that may come against you in life. It's momentum. It's just like when a, um, I, who here watches football? Okay, yeah, oh, come on now, okay. Right, or, or basketball, okay. So when a score, when, let's say in basketball, when a team goes on a scoring streak, they're building what? Momentum, right? What does the coach have to do in order to stop the momentum? Calls a timeout. He has to do that. He has to try and put that team on ice. He has to try and break up the scores. Because momentum will cause a certain outcome in the game that the opposing team doesn't want to see. They want to keep seeing the score being run up because momentum is absolutely powerful. Does anyone remember the Super Bowl last year? The Patriots were down 28-3. to Yeah, 28-3, to and they came back and won, and you could see the change in the game. Is my man back there a Patriot fan? No? Okay. <laughs> I'm a Patriots fan. Come on now. Yeah, so anyways, they were down 28 to 3. And you could see the change in the atmosphere when the Patriots started to get back into the game. You could see what, what was going on, the momentum beginning to swing from, from their three points in this huge, this huge um, uh, gap between the scores of, of, 20, of 28 points. And what happened was... They scored and they stayed in it. They kept a positive attitude. If you, I mean, if you go on YouTube and you watch some of the stuff that happened on the sideline, they just said, "Keep this is going to be this is going to be a good story to tell everyone. This is going to be." Good. They kept a positive mindset, no matter how far they were down, no matter how bad it looked. The score was so bad, and they only had one quarter to pull themselves out of a three-touchdown score that they began to overcome it. How? By just chipping away. 
One score at a time, chipping away, working hard, putting their heads down, not even looking at the scoreboard, doing their job, doing the work. This is just like the kingdom of God. Sometimes we have things that face us in life that put us down in the valley, but all you have to do is begin to put your hand up on the mountain and start to climb it. Just put your head down. Don't even look all the way up there. As long as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, as long as you're putting your head down, you're keeping a relationship with God, and you're continuing to work in the kingdom, and you're continuing to climb, and, and go after the things of God and the promises of God. By the time you look up, you'll be at the top of the mountain. You will have overcome what Satan has trying to stop you to do. And God, if God be for you, then what could ever be against you? All you have to do is trust in the Lord. And He will give you the momentum to climb mountains. He'll give you momentum to burst through walls. He'll give you the momentum to break the chains and the bonds of your life. It's never about the one victory that God gives you. He wants you to enter into a season of victory, of victory from strength to strength, or as the Bible says, from glory to glory. The last victory should build momentum for your next victory. Your victory, your your last, your, your next victory should be greater than your last victory. We can look at this in our lives where I struggle with something in my life. And the moment that I overcome this one thing in my life, that I shouldn't stop there. I should look at the other issues that I have in my life, and I should talk to God about those things. Like, God, I, I know that I just defeated this. I just ridded this out of my life. I want to continue ridding things out of my life. I want to continue becoming more like Christ. I want to continue being more like you and being the example that you have set before me. Rid these things out of my life. I want to tackle them with you, God. See, greater the momentum, the greater the impact. An illustration of this would be a, a, a train going 50 miles an hour is able to crash through 20 solid feet of reinforced steel. That's 20 solid compacted feet of reinforced steel. When I went online and I looked at trains crashing into things, it's actually really entertaining. Um, they, they, nothing can stop them. It is... They are destruction on wheels once they get up to speed. But did you know that before a train could ever get up to speed, the only thing that is stopping them is a one-inch block underneath their tire, underneath their wheel. It's a one-inch steel block because a train cannot overcome that block if it has no momentum. So a one-inch block keeps the train tamed. The greater the momentum, the greater the impact. We can, we can look at this. Hurricanes, right? Yeah, woo, who likes hurricanes? Well, they begin to build momentum. Category one, all of a sudden, I don't even know if Irma was a two or a three ever out in the Atlantic. It was like, oh, it turned into a hurricane. It's a category five, going 200 miles an hour, coming at us. And, and the momentum that was built by Irma and, and everybody looking at it on TV going, this thing is going to be catastrophic. And it, and it was, especially to the islands. Um, it, but it had the momentum, and people feared the momentum that it had coming to Florida. They feared the potential power that it had. What happens if a church was able to build the momentum like a hurricane in a city of Palm Beach County, and wherever we went, the devil would be afraid at the momentum that was coming at him, like a hurricane of the Holy Ghost. This, this is why we see sometimes uh, a hurricane being related to the Holy Spirit as a mighty rushing wind that came on the day of Pentecost. 
It was a mighty rushing wind. You see, all the prophets, they were prophesying about it, and we would see glimpses of the Spirit in the Old Testament. We would never see the, the whole thing coming, but, but we'd see glimpses of it, of glimpses of it on, on David. We'd see glimpses on Samson. We would see glimpses here and there of how, this, how powerful the Spirit was. But on the day of Pentecost, when the day had fully come and the prophecy had fully come, we saw a shift in momentum in Christianity. People received the power of the Holy Ghost. And, and during that first session, we saw 120 people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. They bled out into the streets, and three, around 3,000 people came over, and they're like, what is this? Peter preached the gospel message, and 3,000 more people were converted. Why? Because they were empowered. They had spiritual momentum in their life. They, they, they were they were just endued from power on high, and they knew nothing could stop them. They had the power of the Holy Ghost behind them. You see, our, our problem is that when we slay the lion in our life, we slay the, the bear in our life, we, we slay that issue or the, the thing that's holding us back, we, we don't go from victory to victory. We say we have victory in this one area in our life, but we stay there. And we let the next thing attack us instead of going out and attacking it. We let our next issue come after us. We let our next problem come after us. The, the problem that we allow to, to grow in our life and, and it becomes greater and greater in our life because how people work is they'll get rid of one thing but they'll replace it with something probably equally as bad. Because that's, that's just our flesh. And we never attack the small issues in our life. And just like the small foxes, we start getting taken down instead of moving from issue to issue, from victory to victory, handling our life, our private life. You see, David, he became stronger and stronger like a hurricane with momentum from each victory. This is how God wants our services to be. He doesn't want us to come in every Wednesday or, or every Sunday, wore out and beat up. He wants us to build on that spiritual momentum from the, the service before, from the message before. He wants us to build on the miracles, the signs and the wonders. He wants us to build on our faith. He wants us to build on the things of God and the Spirit of God every single week, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday. I know we have up and down times, but He wants us to build this way because He is for us. He is in your life. There's nothing that can be against us. There's no weapon form that could ever hurt us. And I mean, even Paul, the greatest weapon that Satan really kind of uses against us is death. And Paul addresses that right away. In death, I only have gain. I only have gain in death. There's nothing you could do to stop me in doing the work on this earth. So David, he began momentum after momentum, victory after victory, lion, bear, Goliath, all the way into now he's commander of armies. Now he's winning victory after victory in armies. He's putting his head down. He's grinding for the kingdom of God, listening to God, consulting with God. And before you know it, an entire kingdom is built. Because he had the spiritual momentum. He had the power of God behind him. He knew that he had to use this time because he couldn't do this by himself. The only way he could do this is if God was with him.
The only way he could accomplish everything that he accomplished is that God was with him. Knowing who you, are, who you are in the kingdom of God. Knowing that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Knowing that you are not alone. That he has never left you or forsaken you. Knowing that you have a purpose and a destiny in the kingdom of God. And never allowing your carnality to, to stop you from what, your, from what your purpose is. Never allowing your situation in life to stop you from what your purpose is. Listen to David in chapter 8. As he gets into the season of victory after victory, he commentates, I smote the Philistines, I smote Moab, I smote the king of Zumba, I smote the Assyrians, I smote the Amalekites. And he keeps smoting and he keeps destroying armies and, it, and it, you keep reading on and, and it, you can see that he is unstoppable, he's unstoppable, he's unstoppable until chapter 11. In chapter 11, we find David had all the momentum in the world. Nothing could stop his armies until he became an adulterer. Sin is the one thing that will kill all of your momentum. When you allow sin into your life, it will kill your calling. It will kill your victory. It will kill your confidence. It will kill your courage. It will kill your boldness. It will it'll it'll make you feel shameful. Or you, you, will, you won't want to do the work of God. It will stop your momentum and everything that you had going for you. In the story of Joshua, uh, in Joshua 10, he stood under the, the power and the momentum that began as as he was fighting against an army. And he knew that he had the momentum and he was pushing back the other army and he, he knew that he had to crush them on this day. He did not want them to regroup. Because if, if they could regroup, then they could fight him with more power. He didn't want that. He had them on the run. He had them disorganized and he wanted to kill them. So what did he do? He called on God and he said, God, I need you to keep the sun where it is so that I have another day to fight because I do not want this army to regroup. I do not want them to reorganize. I do not want to fight them at full strength. I want to kill them right here and now while I have them on the run. And God understood the power of this momentum. He understood the calling that, that Joshua was, uh, was praying for and what he was asking for. So he stopped the universe for Joshua. And they went and they destroyed the entire army. Now you see, Joshua had spiritual momentum from victory to victory until he got to the city of Ai. When he got to the city of Ai, there was nothing different except that they said that this city, they didn't even have proper warriors from, from what we can understand. And when they got there and they went and fought, this battle-hardened Israelite army went and fought at the city of Ai. They were embarrassed. They, they got beat. They got pushed back by a ragtag group from the city of Ai, this professional army getting the beat down. Joshua has to go and consult with God because he just held up the sun for him. You know, I'd be a little confused too, right? Like, Lord, you, you just did this. Like, come on. So he's like, God, what happened? What, what is going on? I don't understand what is happening right now because you told me I could take this city and it didn't get taken. And God had to respond, and he said, there is sin in the camp. 
You see, you had all the momentum in the world. You had everything going for you, but you know the exact moment that you got the wind taken from your sails. You know the exact moment you allowed momentum to be taken away from you. You know the exact sin that happened in your life to stop you right where you are. You see, Achan stole what belonged to God and hid it. And in God's response, he said, give it back and repent and I'll restore your momentum. Repent, and I will restore what is yours. You see, if we come into repentance, God is just to forgive us of those things. Repentance is not as easy as it sounds, to be completely honest, if we really want to go into what real repentance is. You see, we just say, just come to God, and He is just to forgive you of those sins. Well, when you start learning the real definition of what repentance is, repentance is a lot harder than what we think to our flesh. So what is repentance? It's simply I come up to God, I acknowledge that He is my Lord and my Savior and only through Him do I get to, do I get to be with Him in heaven and am I saved by Him. And, and so I confess to you, God, that I am sorry for what I have made in my life, whatever my sin may be, the one thing that's holding me back. Now I must turn 180 degrees and, and walk away from that sin. And the last thing is what a lot of people don't get taught anymore. You must bring forth works meets for repentance bring forth works meets for repentance what does that mean well if you don't start bringing forth works to replace your carnality or the sin that you had embedded in your life then odds are you're going to go right back into that sin if you don't replace it with starting to read the Bible, or if you don't replace it with giving somebody a Bible study, if you don't replace that time that you are using to sin with something that is godly, then you are going to go right back into your vomit. You're going right back into your sin. You have to replace it. You have to bring works meets for repentance. What does it really mean? Works, you need to bring works that are worthy of my cross, what I've done for you. You need to sacrifice some of these things that are in your life, these distractions, the sin, the, the carnality, the fleshliness, so that you can properly repent. And once you repent, we'll find, first of all, you'll find that in true repentance, you'll find that Satan has no grasp over you. You'll you'll find true forgiveness in your life. One of the hardest things that I've seen or, or that people do for themselves is they can forgive other people, right? Except themselves. They're so hard on themselves. And when you don't forgive yourself for things that happen in your life and you don't forgive yourself for situations that happen in your life, you become poisoned with your own bitterness. And we all know what bitterness leads to. I don't think anybody in here needs a, a, a teaching on bitterness, but... But bitterness is poison to your soul. It's poison to, to who you are. And it is the opposite of what God wants you to be. And bitterness will stop your momentum and it'll, and it'll try to stop the momentum of all the people around you. You see, there was sin in the camp, but it didn't just affect one person. It affected an entire army. It can happen in a church. We've seen it with certain people and individuals. We've seen church splits that happen and it takes the momentum away from an entire church. The sin of one individual can break apart an entire church and stop the momentum dead in their tracks. It could break off a piece. It could, it, could, it could be something that's so devastating that when you hear about it, it just takes the winds from the sails of the church. 
So your sins have the ability to affect the entire church. Affect and infect. In 2 Samuel 5, verse 20, David came to a place called Belperzium, and David smote them there. And he said, The Lord hath broken forth upon me my enemies before me. So actually David didn't smote them there. God smote them there for David as he breached of the waters. Therefore, the name of the place was called Belperzium. Belperzium means a place that we burst through, or to burst through is what Belperzium means. To burst through. And I believe that everybody in their life has something that they need to burst through. That everybody has a, a balpersium in their life. That they can burst through the chains. They can burst through the bondage. They can burst through that giant that has been holding them down or whatever may be going on in their life. No matter how far back in the past it may be from your childhood that you've kept all the way up into your adulthood. Never ever really dealing with it but always keeping it in the back of your mind. Always keeping it in that secret chamber of your heart. And I believe that you are able to break through or to burst through and to have your own Balpersium. To break our chains because chains cause us not to have momentum. To break our bondage because that is what is holding us back. Just like that, that metal block that's holding back that train that can produce so much force to break through 20 feet of solid reinforced steel. Somebody is still being held back by some small minute thing in their life that we make a lot bigger than what it seems. You see, if every person in here has a destiny and a calling in their life. Every single person is looking for that next step, that next push in the right direction, right? When I get pushed, I, I build momentum towards that direction, even if I don't want to be pushed in that direction. And the thing is, is that the direction that we choose to be pushed in is either a godly one or it's a satanic one, a worldly one. When we say worldly, we obviously mean it's, you, you're, either, you're either of the devil or you're of God. There's no in-between. There's no gray area um, especially according to the word of God. If you're in the world and you're being pushed into the world and you're somebody who's in church right here underneath my voice, you could still be in here and still being pushed and gaining momentum to be worldly. That's how people backslide. If you've ever seen the life of a backslider or know someone who backslide, they begin to build momentum in the other direction. Right? What's the first thing that they do? The first thing I usually see them do, and, and I'm, not, I'm not judging, it's just something that I, I've, I observe. Um, the first thing that happens is their holiness standards begin to fall, right? The outer begins to fall. Uh, the next thing you start to see, you start to see the jewelry, you start to see the piercings, you start to see the tattoos, you start to see the language change, you start to see their entire demeanor changing. That's not something that happens overnight. That's something that they gain and they pursue uh, through their time. Uh, of, of backsliding in their time being influenced by the world and what the world perceives them to be. That's why they're, they're getting all these things done and they're building momentum in the wrong direction. So you're either building momentum in the kingdom of God or you're building momentum and falling away from the kingdom of God. And being stagnant is even worse. If you're lukewarm, he spews you from his mouth. So don't just be the train that's tied up by that one inch piece of steel. 
God is looking for a generation that is willing to push his kingdom into their cities. He's willing to, the uh, people that are willing to sacrifice all, to shed all their chains and their bondages, to, to, to start getting in love with him, to start pushing and pursuing the things of God to pursue the kingdom of God, watching people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in these altars, out in the streets, at other people's homes during Bible studies, being able to sacrifice their time and, and, and whatever they do and their hobbies and, and making God their, their, their job, making God their, their absolute love, making God their everything, and shedding all these things that tie us up. And he's wanting us to, to push truth and the gospel message across the entire West Palm Beach. You see, when we see an example with Peter. He had all the momentum in the world, right? Probably felt like David at one point when Jesus said, they're going to take me and kill me, Peter. And he's like, no, I'll never let that happen. I'll fight an entire army for you. Yeah, Peter was one bad mamma jamma, right? I would die for you. And he's like, no, no. Before... The cock crows thrice, or twice. You're going to deny me three times. And then Peter was confronted by the crowd, or the crowd, and we know the story. The first time he said, no, I wasn't with him. And he walks over here, and then another person comes to him and says, no, no, I wasn't with him. That's not me. And then the third person comes and accuses him of being with Jesus. And, and what we see happen there is Jesus be, or Peter beginning to what? break his character and his identity in order to sell himself for being something that he wasn't. He began to cuss. He began to say whatever obscenities that he, he wanted to say just so that they wouldn't think of him as a Christian. They wouldn't think of him as that person. And guess what? He had all the momentum that he saw for the past three and a half years. And he forgot about it in that one instance in order to preserve his own life because of selfishness. You see, the blind eyes that were open, the sick that were recovering, the leopards that were being, that were being healed, the deaf ears that were being open, the people being raised from the dead, the, the fish and the loaves uh, feeding the thousands, the storm that was being put to rest by Jesus, walking on water. Jesus had forgot the momentum that he, that he had with Jesus Christ. And, and the moment he denied him, I could just see all those things beginning to rush back into his life. You forgot everything, everything that I've, everything that I've done, everything that you had done all the way to this moment to preserve yourself. And selfishness. You stopped all the momentum that you had. Some of you are looking for miracles in this place. And because you haven't received your miracle, it keeps you stagnant. You're looking for people to be saved in your family and it's kept you stagnant. You're looking for God to, to give you a calling, which he, he's given you a calling. Just read his word. He, you're looking for God to do something miraculous in your life, but we're not doing anything in the kingdom and we're stagnant. And we have no momentum one way or the other. And we're sitting here dormant and you're just being alive instead of living. You're just there instead of, instead of being a benefit to the kingdom. 
we could all just stand kind of short, a little shorter. The, see, he wants to restore the power and the influence that he has in your life, especially people who have, who have forgotten their promises, people who have forgotten the things that are promised to them, people who, I don't know, something happened in their life, uh, a relationship happened, a relationship was broken, um, so, whatever it may be. Maybe you, you, you used to be you used to be clean and restored, and all of a sudden you started drinking again, you started smoking again, you started getting back into drugs again. God is here to restore you just like he did with Peter. You see, Peter didn't have any momentum. He went back to fishing. He wasn't doing anything related to the kingdom of God. It wasn't until Jesus saw him at the Sea of Tiberias. Peter jumped out of the water. He, he swam over and, saw, and, and went to Jesus. And, and Jesus was there and he said, Hey, do you love me? And some of us have to look at ourselves in the mirror right now and be prepared to answer the question that Jesus asks you. Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter said, Yes, I, I love you. And he says, no, no. Do, do you love me, Peter? Well, I kind of already answered this once, but yes, I love you. And he asked him a third time, and he says, do you love me? Let's make sure that you love me. And Peter, kind of taken back by the question, he, he says, you know all things. You know my heart. You can see my heart right now. You know that I love you. And Jesus restored the faith, the momentum in his life. And he was able to go to Jerusalem to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He, he was able to, to preach the very first message that we see, the very first apostolic message that we could see to repent, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He preached that to a bunch of Jews who had no idea what this was. They, they, wanted, they were the ones who wanted Jesus crucified. He had the boldness and the momentum and the power to stand in front of his enemies at the time and to preach the gospel truth, to, to show them who Jesus was, to convict them, to pierce their hearts so that they could ask, what must I do in order to be saved? And 3,000 were added unto the church. It was powerful. Momentum is powerful in your life. If we could all just begin to praise. I'm, I'm done. I'm closing. Lord Jesus, we, we love you. We praise you. We exalt you. Thank you for this word, God. I I have been stopped dead in my tracks because of the way that I live my life. The things that I have allowed into my life, God. Lord, right now I repent. I repent, God. Oh, Lord, over my life, the things that are holding me back, the chains and the bondages that I allow into my life, God, I want to be restored to that day when I first received the gift of the Holy Ghost, the passion that I had, God. The energy that I had, God, the boldness that I had, Lord. 
that flame and that fire that, that I had when I first received the gift of the Holy Ghost, the momentum in my life, that when I came out of that water and, and I began to speak with the Spirit in new tongues, God, that, that boldness, Lord. Oh, mighty God, that's what I desire, that every single day that that flame would never burn out, but that it would only grow like a wildfire Casting your vision all across the, all across where I am, God. All the people that I touch, all the people that I come in contact with. Oh, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, and people who have all the momentum in their life, God, open the doors, Lord, that no man can shut. God, give them a calling, Lord. Call missionaries and pastors, Lord. Almighty oh, God, call Sunday school teachers, Bible, Bible study teachers, Lord. Almighty oh, God, your spirit is in this place. Begin to heal, begin to talk to us, God, right now. Oh Lord. Oh Lord, forgive me, Lord. Call me out, Lord Jesus. In us as a church, God, we will build momentum into this city, Lord, and be able to spread your word and your gospel. Oh, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.